Welcome to Chief's Chat, a look at public safety issues and initiatives in the city of Crystal, a fully developed northwest suburb of Minneapolis in Minnesota. We are your hosts, Chief Stephanie Revering and Chief Sarah Larson with the West Metro Fire Rescue District. I'd like to mention that Chief's Chat has been named one of the top 30 public safety podcasts on the web for 2023 by Feedspot. How cool is that, Sarah? It is amazing. It absolutely is amazing. Super cool. In our last podcast, we discussed mental health within our community and had our embedded mental health social worker, Savannah Farmer, to chat with us. And this month, we would like to introduce you to Rachel Peterson, who assists our two departments with crisis debriefs and mental wellness for our staff. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you, Chief Revering and Chief Larson. It's a privilege and honor to not only serve you guys, but also to be here with you. Oh, we are so happy that you're here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, Rachel. So I kind of come from a law enforcement background. I was a police sergeant for 16 years in Madison, Wisconsin, and I kind of switched careers, what I call kind of my Rachel 2.0, and struggled with my own mental and chemical health after losing a sibling at the age of 30. And so I had an amazing career. I got to be a SWAT team leader for our negotiator team and field training sergeant. And one of my most proud positions was being a critical incident facilitator. So really being the point of contact for all of our police officers and some of our firefighters to do critical incident debriefings when we've experienced a massive traumatic event. And my passion has always been in mental health. And so when I retired from law enforcement, I went back and got my master's degree in clinical mental health and then also substance abuse. So kind of my area now moving forward is kind of, I, I work exclusively with the first responders and kind of trauma addiction is kind of my area of expertise. And yeah. I've been with you guys now for, I think, four years, yeah, four I years. think, between the two of you. Yeah. And I serve probably 20, 25 agencies around the, the metro. I work with veterans and firefighters and dispatchers, corrections officers, and I kind of serve in a variety of director positions and certain contracts that I have to serve this population. How rewarding. It's amazing. Yeah. So transitioning from being a police officer to now what you said is rewarding and amazing, obviously it's for a police officer like myself, when I talk to you, it's nice to be able to talk to someone who has the credibility and experienced possibly many of the same things that I've experienced or our patrol officers experienced. So tell Sarah and I and our audience what it is that you do for our two organizations and and how you assist us with mental health. Absolutely. So there's kind of a concept called check up from the neck up, and that's something that I've been doing since about 2016. Um, I started out in Maplewood, and then I've now come to you, and I serve really as your first point of contact if there is a critical call, event, fire, fatality, officer-involved shooting, a potentially injury to an officer or a firefighter. So I'm kind of a, I'm on call 24-7 for both of your agencies to be available. And part of my role is conducting those first kind of checkup from the neck ups, which is really a sense of getting a baseline from where people are at and kind of honoring and, and treasuring their experience as a first responder. And the, the gift that I get to bring is because I have walked the walk and talked the talk. And so I find that to be very helpful and useful when I work with your folks. 
each each agency does it a little different, but I've also been able to do lots of trainings on trauma and addiction and also some family training of helping spouses and people in a relationship in terms of the people that in their lives help them get an eye into what their loved one is going through and kind of help mitigate maybe some of the stresses that the family takes as having being in a relationship or a family with a first responder who has to leave in the middle of Christmas or leave in the middle of Thanksgiving and just it can cause a lot of struggles for families. It's a lot of sacrifices that we as first responders take in this field as, as any first responder and shift work. And then if we have a critical call, we do what's called a critical incident stress debriefing where we bring everybody together and we really, that's the first point of contact to really addressing um, the impact of that situation on every person that was involved that mm -hmm. saw it, touched it, heard it. And it's really the best way for us to nurture and take care of our first responders so they can get out there and, and be as healthy mentally, spiritually, socially, behaviorally even, to do their job well. Yeah. And just for me to acknowledge you and what you do, we brought you on to the department after a critical incident stress debriefing that we had done with the Crystal PD and you facilitated it. And my firefighters came back with such wonderful things to say about how you facilitated that debrief that we then had conversations with you about bringing you on to do we don't do check up from the neck up but we do a version of that where our firefighters if they feel a need can call rachel and set up an appointment mm -hmm. and yep. be seen by her so it was wonderful feedback that we had gotten from your Thanks, skills thanks <laughs> she's thanks, got Sarah. skills so the big thing too like sarah said is the great piece for us to have the ability to call you 24 7 right you have allowed us to be able to do that with you which obviously is stressful for you right and for someone who's been in this field and is now in another taking on other people's stressors how do you stay mentally healthy and fit and and everything that you need to do to make sure that you're providing what you need to provide to us well part of my story includes when i lost my brother i kind of my my way of taking care of myself has always been fitness i was a olympic swimmer triathlete marathon runner those were always my things that i went to even as a as a police sergeant and lots of different ways to relieve my stress and for some reason when i was facing grief for two years and when he eventually lost for some reason alcohol did come into play and it's not anything i'm proud of but it's a disease that i acquired that many of us in this field have and i i have to practice my own humility of that experience because i hope that when i share part of my story with others that it will help others and so that's kind of my continuation of how I take care of myself today. I'm gracious to have 12 years of sobriety now. Nice. And I have a, a loving spouse who is also in recovery, and she's my biggest cheerleader. But also I invest thoroughly in my relationships. One of the things that I teach in trainings, whether it be an agency or just working with a, a client, is that our family is our biggest protective factor. What protects us being resilient, um, healthy, kind of in all those elements of wellness. And I invest deeply in people in my life that support me. And I have the gift from being a cop, I think, that I have the gift of compartmentalizing and that I absorb the information in the moment, but I don't have to carry it with me yeah. all the time. And kind of my mantra is pain shared is pain divided. And so I think my law enforcement skills help me be a good clinician yep. because I can separate the two. There are times where, yes, there are clients that I definitely worry about, and that gets really stressful at times, but I have to tell my clients all the time that 
they're not responsible for taking care of me because oftentimes just like that question you asked me, I get that a lot. How do you hear all of our stories and and, and manage? And for me, it's a privilege and an honor for people to trust me enough to share that with me. And so I take that as more of a a gift than a burden. I I don't think of it as a burden at all. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome because I I, uh, think about what you do often, obviously, because of the impact that you've had on many of our staff at the police department. And obviously, Sarah has shared with me the impact you've had on her staff. And I think as someone who, and I've shared this with you and I've shared it with our audience that in our community that, you know, I came from a family where my mom had a severe mental health illness and grew up with that. And I saw that firsthand. And I think to myself, everyone who has the ability to be able to talk to someone who has issues in their lives that they need to get off their chest. And that person who's listening to you, it's a lot. It's it's an awesome responsibility that you have. And we thank you for doing it for our two agencies. One of the things that I want to know is how how important is it for our staff to build that relationship with you in order for them to trust? Because oftentimes we know, you know, cops can, you know, we tell them that, well, I mandate this, right? Sarah doesn't with her staff, but I make, I mandate that every single one of us, including myself, all the way down to a CSO has to go to you to see you once a year at least. How is it that you have to develop the relationship with them so that they trust you. So I like to think it not mandate, but it's given to them. Like it. Um, it's a present. It's a, pre- it's a it's present. It's a present. It really it's a isn't. Gift. It isn't. I love it. I mean, yep. I mean, we have to value every employee in every city. We're Absolutely. all we're all community service orientated, and I would never want to minimize anyone else's experience, but. We are the ones that go into burning buildings yes. and have to wear body armor and put our lives on the lines every single day. And so we can talk about the stressors that are different yep. and why this is absolutely critical that we show up to people's worst despair and we're expected to handle that, navigate that, no matter what the circumstance. And I think that something that I use is just because I'm a cop doesn't mean I'm a, the best therapist. However, I think that the credibility does help because I know when I got sober, it was very important for me to be with somebody who understood mm-hmm. my disease. And so for me, why it's so important for, for people to have that trust with me is they're going to see me again. They're going to see me year after year. The biggest piece is establishing that trust in that for law enforcement and firefighters, the statistics astronomically share about 80% of people still feel that asking for help is a sign of weakness. And so when we give this gift of our first responders meeting with a professional mental health professional, that's an opportunity so that when that relationship is formed, when they have that worst day, it's not a 600 pound phone that they have to reach and try to make a call and go through the phone book and try to find who in the heck can possibly understand me. And there aren't too many therapists in the Twin Cities. We're getting more and more. We need more of us. Obviously, we can't serve your entire community. And so it's just kind of a gift to have that person that you can just go to because you've met them, you've trusted them. And I, I kind of have a unique style. I do share some of my own experiences and, and in therapy disclosure is used, but I think it helps put people at ease when they, they know that I have seen the things that I have seen. And I can't possibly connect with every single thing because you and I know we go every day is going to be different and we could have 10 critical instances in a day and statistically civilians go through three critical instances in their lifetime and police and fire go through approximately 190 in their career 
that's a lot of trauma for people to go through in their career. And our people are our biggest asset and we have to take care of them for them to do the job they're doing in the community. And so I think having that trust, it also helps if we have a critical incident that I can come into that debriefing. And for those that don't understand what a debriefing is, it's really processing a really critical call to give our police and fire a best way of kind of healing from that day forward and having a point of contact to do follow up with me and things like that. And it's just involving the people that were it is absolutely at the incident. Yep, it's very Whether that be a dispatch, police, fire, correct. Paramedics, they're all invited and mm-hmm. then as a core group, they work through that incident with you. Yes. Yes, and and it's kind of back to that dividing and sharing pain together. With the pandemic, we heal in in community, we don't heal in isolation. And so Getting people together who were involved directly with that event to process that together is a very healing experience. can be a very emotional one as, as well. But when I have the relationship with everyone or very close to everyone in the room, I have different insights into people because I know some of their background. And if they've, for instance, had a child death already in the last month, and that's what the call is that we're processing, I'm most likely going to be checking in with that person on my own individually because I have some of that insight. And so it's kind of like a double layer of trust that they have the trust knowing that they always have me available. And because of your agencies who support this, people can see me more than just a check-in. If we have to see more times, I've had Chief Revering reach out to help other people who have needed more help. And to me, that's the best gift we can give is that doesn't display taking care of our employees. I don't know what does, but the trust is absolutely what happens. And through that, I'm meeting uh, tomorrow actually with your peer support team. And that's just another layer of support for our employees. And again, that requires that trust and connection. Yeah. And Rachel, I appreciate the fact when you started talking, you said, I don't like to call it a mandate. And I appreciate you. I seriously, I appreciate you correcting me on that because I hate, even though I, I hate to use mandate, I hate to use force that we force people to do this. But Mm -hmm. I truly believe that since we've implemented this, that our team of people now see it as something that's not a mandate, that's not a force that they're, they're thinking, this is helping me, this is going to help me, it's going to continue to help me throughout my long, hopefully 30 year career. And that's the goal, right? The goal is I've always Deputy Chief Hubbard always says the goal is that you don't want to leave this profession broken, right? Correct. Absolutely. And, and that is the goal for all of us is not to leave it broken. And so I can't thank you enough for what it is that you do for us. Sarah, what else should we ask? I want more talk about like you also did a presentation for the spouses of our firefighters which i thought was incredibly Mm. helpful Mm -hmm. to them and i want to thank you for doing that but giving them insight into what they're doing what that means and how they can interact with them and support firefighters and get support themselves i think is an incredible thing that you offer us so i appreciate that And then I just want to say that I was so surprised by how many of my firefighters have taken the opportunity to meet with you because we, like I said, we don't, we offer the gift, (laughs) but we don't mandate it. (laughs) You don't mandate the gift. (laughs) But because of working with you on the critical incidents and stuff like that, I think they've all come to trust you. You've done a number of training and for them to have that person that they can go to. They have the name. It's easy. They have your face. I think that that has really helped a lot. And then them knowing that you understand where they're coming from. I know my um, ex-husband tried to kill himself. And if I could have 
pulled your face out Mm -hmm. of that evening and called you, I would have been so much happier Mm -hmm. than what I had to go through. So offering that to our firefighters really means a lot to me. So thank you. Very start. I think the, the amazing thing with what we've been able to do at West Metro with the family, we've also done in other fire departments, uh, New Prague and Eden Prairie, and it's it's such a different perspective of the family members, right? And as all of us being first responders, I think we sometimes maybe forget of how our loved ones are impacted. What's been also helpful that comes from some of those family trainings is that more and more couples are working with me through the gift. And, you know, when we have a healthy relationship, again, it goes back to that protective factor of what makes us the most resilient, the most healthy, the most strong, compassionate. And when you add that family piece, if we make the family stronger, we make first responders stronger. And I think that that's really critical. It was it was a blast. Rachel, why why is it important for police officers and firefighters to build a relationship with you? And what benefits uh, will that bring back to our community? Well, the benefits I see is, you know, I think many of us go into this field being wounded at times. The wounded are helping the wounded. And I think that we are exposed to so many things, going back to that 190 critical incidents that our police and fire are being exposed to in their lifetime. And so we are at a triple-fold degree for PTSD versus the general population. Addiction is over 25%. We have police and fire who, due to this job and depression and anxiety and things that every single police and firefighter are dealing with really since post-2020, George Floyd, the pandemic, Kim Potter, we are just operating at a, at a level of adrenaline and fear and anxiety that I think all police and fire feel, but it's at a heightened level today. And we have lost hundreds of police officers and firefighters to PTSD disabilities. And I believe that part of this initiative and why it's important is if we serve our police and, and reduce depression, reduce anxiety, reduce addiction levels, co-occurring situations where you have both, they go very hand in hand. And every police and firefighter is by far higher susceptible to all of these things. And the suicide rate, we can't deny both police and fire. There's no discrepancy that we lose more of our police and fire to suicide than a line of duty death. And we can't ignore that fact. And so if we take care of those who serve us, I believe we get a better officer, firefighter, someone that's going to respond in a well-mannered way. They're going to be able to make better decisions, be able to manage their anxiety in the heat of the moment, and be more effective in the community. And I think that we have to have that. I mean, we go through a vigorous process, every department does, of having a full psychiatric evaluation, but we only do that one time. Mm -hmm. And now this is a way of not doing necessarily an evaluation, but of offering that support to protect the assets that are going to be serving your community is going to be helping your community. And making sure that our leadership understands that, exactly. right? That city leadership understands that, that police chiefs, fire chiefs understand that, the importance to making sure that our people are healthy so that we can serve those who are calling us to do our duty of service and making sure that we come back and are healthy because of that reason, right? And it's yeah. just very important. And I think that the more we acknowledge that so many of us fight these things, I, I can guarantee many of the calls we're going to be going to involve anxiety, depression, PTSD, someone with addiction. Mm-hmm. And if we have our officers and firefighters kind of more educated in all of these things, you're going to have a better response, a better understanding when you go into someone's home and it's dealing with that kind of situation. They're going to handle it differently 
with lack of judgment and more calmness and creativity and, and, and problem solving that we want them to be able to do effectively. That's great. Rachel, we can't thank you enough again. We really appreciate your time and coming here today, talking to our community. That's it for our show today. I want to thank you for listening to Chiefs Chat. Episodes are released quarterly and we are posted on the City of Crystals website and via social media. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, and other podcast applications. If you have an idea for an episode, feedback, or want to get in touch, you can connect with us at stephanie.revering at crystalmn.gov. Until next time, Sarah, take care of you. Rachel, take care of you. Thank you. Thank you for having me.